Hello and welcome to E3, Energy and Efficiency with Emily. I'm your host, Emily Mottram. This podcast is all about architecture, building science, and female entrepreneurship. So prepare to get nerdy. Welcome back to the podcast. This week, we finally have tracked down the elusive Patrice Capaletti. Patrice and I have done a ton of work together over the years. I think we've actually built seven houses together in the last four years. Uh, She has a great sense of style. We've done all high-performance buildings, and I finally get to introduce you to uh, Patrice on the podcast. So Patrice, tell us a little bit about how you got into the construction industry. Yay, Emily. Yay. (laughs) Thank you, Emily. Um, I got into the construction business pretty much by accident. I have a design background in apparel design, and I love fabrics and texture and rugs and walls. And I renovated some houses, some old structures, and um, owned a business uh, restaurant and bar. And I built the building with a business partner. And there was extra land behind the building, and it was this beautiful field in the mountains of Maine, and it had such great light and the setting sun behind the mountains. And I said, someday we should build houses back there. I've always wanted a ski house. So years went by, and eventually we decided to build a spec house. So uh, my business partner at the time took all the exterior, and I said I'd take the interior, and we designed it together with an architect. It was very minimal plans, so the architect gave us the plans and we executed the build without much knowledge, and it was very difficult. So didn't have a great plan set to go by, but just charged ahead and did it, and uh, it turned out fantastic. I worked with some really special people, and what I ended up realizing at that time, and that was 2006, I got to move into the house as it did not sell initially. So I moved in with my family for the winter. It was a ski house. Um, Every other week there was a oil truck backing up into the driveway and filling up the oil tank and it had radiant heat and I never was warm in the house. It had massive prow back windows that were all north facing. So there was always a draft. It was always cold and Um, I said at that point from then on that I would never build a house that had a fossil fuel or or oil and that I would only build really tight houses. So it was kind of a mistake, but then it sort of parlayed into my next house in 2008, which was for myself. Uh, It was probably the most incredible house I've ever built. Yeah. I think that that mistake certainly worked out to my benefit because uh, when you came to this area and you said, I need an architect to help me do this. I have to build energy efficient houses. Um, somebody who knew me at the time introduced me to you and we've just created this design build collaborative and we work together. And there's something just so poignant about the houses that we build together. People walk in, it'll be in the middle of construction. It'll be such a disaster. And I'm like, can you see the vision here? It's gonna 
going to feel like home when you're in it. And it's always so much fun to have the client say like, oh yeah, I get it. Like it doesn't have that stark, you know, new house build. Like we don't do white walls and we don't do, you know, Patrice is, is famous for, you know, oh, I found this, you know, antique window or this newel post and how can we fit it in? And we designed our first house all around uh, the Angela Adams birch rug that we have. We're like, this is our design inspiration. So um, I said last week on the podcast when we were talking about it, because I've been really pushing the hashtag move over Bob movement. We're talking about women in the construction industry. And I said, someone had asked me, why do you like to work with Patrice? And I said, because she never says... No, she never says this is my fault. Like, um, I believe Carrie even said on the podcast a couple weeks ago, she's like, Patrice is fearless. She's willing to try anything. And that is so true. We have tried almost everything in our <laughs> subdivision. Do we have our own song, though? Remember Bob the Builder? We're, yeah. we're so doing our own song. Oh, yeah, we, we are. We just, <laughs> there's something about this, like, crazy dynamic duo that we put together, which mm. is now Trio. Um, mm-hmm. So... We're moving on to this design collaborative where Carrie is our landscape architect and I'm the architect and you're the builder designer extraordinaire and there's something just really natural about this team and we haven't told a lot of people what we've been doing in our five lot solar subdivision Um, and it's I wouldn't say it's a secret we don't keep it a secret but we haven't really advertised what we've been doing and I just feel like there's something that we bring that's different to the table being females in the construction industry. I don't know how you feel about our team and how it translates into the build. I just think we're really sensitive to energy and the feel of things and not afraid to express that. For instance, uh, every time that we pour a slab or the team that I have pours concrete, I ask the homeowner to bring something special of meaning that they can place in the slab that's permanent. So I believe that there's this energy then that lives in the slab that's, um, I don't know, just sort of the base for your entire structure. So you're putting your personal stamp into it. Um, I'll walk around with a smudge stick and I'll talk to the walls and I'm not afraid to be silly and full of zest because I'm, I'm given this really major responsibility to create structure and create a nest for a family. And OMG, there's moments where, wow, this is really huge. Yet at the same time, um, with your building science skills and knowledge and my sense of you know how things go together in design and how they feel and the right team that we have of subcontractors I do feel like it's okay to be fearless yeah like I ultimately get um, the end result which is a really amazing cozy nest that performs um, in today's world so well most of the homes that we build really have no carrying cost on a daily basis the, the panels, the electrical uh, photovoltaic panels that are on the roof are their own energy power plant. Yeah. So on a day like today, the sun's out. I have 20 solar panels. It's gaining. Um, just the sun's rays are just captured, and I'm not using all the power. I have no heat on today. I have no cool. Um, 
if the hot water is running maybe, but other than that, all of it's going into the grid and sitting and waiting as a credit. So yeah. uh, I don't know, I feel like we're doing the right thing, which is kind of marrying the old world and the new world. Yeah, when we started this back in 2014, we had this whole idea that sustainable design often had kind of a bad design notion. There's some really horrible, ugly things that were built in the 70s, and people just went, oh, like, uh, you know, really energy efficient houses are the ugliest thing. We're like, it doesn't have to be that way. Like, how can we take a traditional main aesthetic? How can we take that main farmhouse and trick it out so that the only carrying cost that you have in that main farmhouse is whatever CMP is going to charge you to be connected to the grid. And I think we've really pulled that together and people come in and what could be more sustainable than taking the things that you can no longer use in the exterior of a building envelope and making them really cool design pieces inside your house. We often use antique windows between spaces or I, as the architect and building science specialist, is like, no more windows in the building envelope. And so (laughs) we use that to transfer light between two different spaces. And we spend so much time thinking about the quality of light in the space and how it moves throughout the whole day, throughout the whole space. Because you're probably never going to spend more money than you will on either buying or building a house. And so if you're going to make that kind of investment... Uh, it should really speak to you. And we talk a lot about the emotional and healthy well-being of the houses that we build. That first house was a gathering house. Mm -hmm. It was the place that everybody came, they hung out, that was the space. And part of that was because it was you and the (laughs) the way that you use your space. Um, but part of it was that was the style of that house. It was, you know, this, the kitchen is the center of the you know universe, and it's all open concept, and people are going to be in this space. But we've, we've done a lot of different things now, you know, over the last four or five years um, to try to figure out how do you use this space? Where does the light come in? You know, this beautiful farmer's porch that we have is at a specific height. It's out a certain distance. It blocks out the summer sun. It lets in the most winter sun as possible. And all of those design tricks are things that we've just built into the building. And you don't look at me funny when I'm like, this is what we're going to do. And you, know, you say, oh, the porch needs to be deeper. And we come up with some crazy idea to put a grate in the porch to let the water you know, run through. And so there's just something about our design collaborative is nothing is ever an issue. It's always, how do we fix this? Because something's going to come up during construction. I mean, it's inevitable that I missed something or, you know, you want to make a change in the field or the client's like, oh, I didn't quite think that was the way this went together. And um, the thing I love the best about working with you, aside from the design perspective, is during construction, if something goes wrong, you're just like, whatever, how are we going to fix it? And that is not an attitude that comes naturally, I think, to most builders. And so I think that... From my experience, maybe that's something that comes from you being a female builder, Um, but it also could just be you. (laughs) Well, I think it's a combination of things. I mean, my history in owning a a wild food service business with lots of moving parts is very similar to running a job site where there's lots of moving parts and pieces and uh, there's an overlap of so many different people and subcontractors doing their work. It's a really intense puzzle, but it's this wild, fun puzzle. 
and we get to imprint ourselves in these structures so it's really important that we stay positive yeah um and I don't know I feel I feel strongly that it requires all of us as a team it's not just one person and with that you know you'll bring things to the table I'll bring things to the table and we share all of that knowledge um it's just been a really interesting journey to be here now and with all of the news and climate change conversations we were involved in this well before that because we know we're adding really important structures to the stock that's available for people to live in yeah and um, I really think we've got to do it slowly mindfully and with lots of the techniques that you have brought to the forefront with lots of insulation and then obviously fresh air yeah we really have to be building healthy homes one uh, climate change obviously if you listen to the podcast I talk about climate change a lot and the different materials and things that go into that Um, Patrice and I have been pushing that envelope from the very beginning Um, one because that's what I cared about and she said okay I'll do it your way and two the healthy indoor air quality is another crisis that our country is running into is we spend 90% of our time inside and we don't think about the things that we put into our buildings and the VOCs that could be in the paint that you're painting or in the formaldehyde that might be in a building product or in the furniture that you just got from the factory. Mm-hmm. And so we're really conscientious of those things because our clients are asking for healthier indoor environments. And we say, okay, no problem. That's what we're providing. Um, and by the way, it's going to look great too. <laughs> exactly. And I have a, a love of antiquing and junking and the, the dumpster hunt. diving dumpster diving the hunt um, and in that I think comes these really unusual pieces that have just been discarded yeah and you know so the windows that we may use inside an interior wall will bring light through but they also were just thrown somewhere yeah so you know we just scrape them paint them and they have a new life and there's this soul to them they were made a long time ago and most of the time they were handmade not in a factory and they just have soul and I can't explain again it's that female piece of feeling it so when you walk into one of our homes and it's brand new and we've just received the occupancy permit it doesn't feel stark or sterile or cool it feels cozy and warm and inviting and and like it was really well thought through yeah and they're We've talked a lot about the healthy indoor air quality, but also thermal comfort. Like you want it to be comfortable inside these homes, and we've we've done a bunch of wood stoves in them because Maine seems to really love wood stoves. But we put a wood stove in your house, and you have to open the windows upstairs. <laughs> I joke all the time that Patrice and her kids are going to be running around in their bathing suits because uh-huh. one stick of wood just you know heats up the whole space and. Part of that is because we did the right thing with the building envelope and the orientation of the house, but there's just something really special about that wood-burning alternate heat source, and so... It's just primal. As long as you're super careful about it in a high-performance home where you've got, you know, outside air that feeds the wood stove so that you're not getting a lot of wood particulate matter inside the structure... There's something super homey and main about doing doing that. And at Carrie's house, we put the wood stove in front of the windows, and it just became this 
art piece. Mm-hmm. And at your house, we, we knew the wall between the kitchen and the mudroom was going to be an artistic window wall. And from the architect's perspective, I said, something's going to go here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's pretty much what we told the framer. Uh, and then, you know, over time, you just went and searched until you found the right piece to put there. And it, you know, it works great. And it's the first thing people come in, they step on that brick floor, they see those antique windows, and they're like, I get it. Um, and so I think that that's something that happens in our houses that isn't traditionally happen in a house that is built by a standard builder is... They want to get there, they want to build it, and they want to get out. And our team really has an integrated process. It's like everybody's involved from the beginning, and everybody stays involved through the whole process. As, you know, me as architect, I'm around during construction. I'm coming to look at things. I'm going to check the insulation. It's thoughtful. It is thoughtful. It's mindful. It's not slow, but it's a six-month build. Yeah. It's customized, but it's still... Uh, a pretty tight timeline for a custom home. Absolutely. But it's done in a way that, um, I don't know, is, is it's really cared for. Yeah. And I just, I feel really fortunate that we're able to connect in that way and that the subcontractors that work with us feel the same way. Yeah. And when, when we get somebody onto the team, and Heather said this last week in last week's podcast, um, but it's the same for us, is, you know, occasionally we hire a subcontractor that doesn't work for our style. And in true Patriceism, we vote them off the island. <laughs> but for the most part, we've really gotten a bunch of subcontractors that like to work with us, and they keep coming back, and they enjoy the craziness, and Patrice brings donuts during construction. <laughs> Not all the time, now but bring muffins. Now she'll bring muffins, because, you know, the extraordinary that she is, she owns multiple businesses, the entrepreneur. Um, but I really felt like it was important, one, uh, to highlight that there are females in construction, there's no reason why you can't get into it, why you can't do it, um, you know, like I said earlier. No, but I think it is important to to um, take one project at a time. You know, I focus on one project at a time, and it gives me the chance to really focus on it, but uh, really learning from your framer. Right. Learning as many techniques as you can. Doesn't mean you have to know everything, but every single time you're on the job site, you will gain so much understanding um and there it it's such an intense puzzle that requires uh really collaborating with yeah. the subcontractors trusting them and choosing wisely choosing wisely i think that's a really important part too is you know there's this idea that women have to discount themselves or that they have to prove themselves in the industry and that's really not true there are plenty of people subcontractors out there that we work with all the time that are like okay what do you want to do and then it's a really integrated design process we're like well, we could do that, or we could do it this way, and then everybody has learned from the process. But when you and I spoke years ago, we talked about how women have always had instinct in nesting. That is, yeah. as a as a mammal, the female is instinctually the one that raises the young and finds the wherever to live. Yeah, in the animal kingdom, 
as humans, I mean, we are typically, the females are the ones that are making the choice of where to live and how to live and what type of furnishings and fixtures are in the home. Why wouldn't we be the ones to construct the homes? Yeah. It completely makes sense to me. It feels very comfortable to be in the role. So I think that we should express and have many more women involved in putting up homes. Yeah. No, I agree. I I think think it's natural. There's something thoughtful and conscientious about being a female in a slightly fast-paced, crazy world. And then slightly, you, but slightly. <laughs> so, and when you look at it, we talk about climate change and how things are going to be different, and uh, how important the next ten years are going to be in you know carbon offsetting, and that. In the next 10 years, we're also going to see the number of women in the construction industry jump from 9% to 25%, where, you know, we're going to see people who are like, wait, let's be mindful of this. And I I don't know if there's a correlation between the two, but I think if we're going to be successful in seeing that happen is that there is going to need to be a slowdown or at least a lot more conscientious thought to what are we building, how are we building it, why are we building it? And nobody in Maine... Naomi said this a couple weeks ago from Passive House, um, Maine. Um, Nobody should be building less than, you know, an energy efficient house if you're going to build here in Maine because we're still going to have heating. We heat nine months of the year is sort Mm -hmm. of the joke here. And the cost of energy is only going to go up and produce more carbon dioxide. So we should be building better structures that are better insulated, that use better products, that are heated with better technology and have solar panels on the roof so that they... Uh, you know, can produce their own energy. And the production of one solar panel uses a little bit of fossil fuel, but nothing compared to what it uses to create the same one kilowatt of electricity Mm, with a power plant. We're 25 years with those solar panels. There's not moving parts to them. So, yeah. So they'll really definitely be a perfect return. I think so, too. Um, And so to end the podcast, we always do a little segment called You Don't Know What You Don't Know. And so I don't know if in your construction career or maybe even, you know, your previous uh, business, if you have a story of something that either a homeowner or another subcontractor or another builder, you thought they should have known and they didn't have any clue. And I don't want to prompt you, but I think that what you said earlier about the house that you build is maybe you didn't know originally uh, that that first house that you just kept having the oil tank and that you'd be cold in there is like, you know, I won't tell your story. You can tell whatever story you want, but you didn't know that just building a house wasn't good enough. True. I did read quite a bit at the time in 2006, and at the time my business partner said, you only have this amount of money to spend on insulation. And I said, but what if we used one of those infrared cameras and we could actually see the heat transferring through the walls? Yeah, well, whatever, you only get this much money. So I put fiberglass insulation in. And ever since then, I realized that that was just one of the biggest mistakes you could make as a homeowner. So when I didn't know, I then quickly, the next house I built in 2008, Um, insulated the house so well, had structural insulated panels on the roof and um, an insulated concrete form basement. It was so incredible to see the opposite in two years that I had gone to no fossil fuels in the house, only a soapstone wood stove, entire structure was an antique barn frame. So, and if you don't know what you don't know, you should 
definitely email Emily. <laughs> nice little plug there at the end uh, for, for emailing Emily. But you don't know what you don't know. And to capitalize on what Patrice was saying is, you know, when you're given a budget for insulation, take a look at the rest of your budget and don't cut on your insulation because that's the part that's not pretty, never gonna but you're never going to be able to do again. And um, that reminded me of a real... A realtor that I had talked to a little a uh, few years ago who said they built this beautiful gorgeous million dollar house and it was so cold and awful to live in that they sold it and they built a new house and that time they went out and they looked for somebody who knew how to build really energy efficiently that would take that into consideration because you know if we can say we'll save you five thousand dollars over the next two years and you can get your soapstone countertops at that time yep. I, that's easy to change but if you say no we're just gonna put fiberglass insulation in these walls and we're we'll call it good I can't change that and then every year that you have to spend two to five thousand dollars to put fuel oil in the tank it's, a it's just a big waste of money so thanks for being on the podcast Patrice you're hard to track down. You're very busy. Um, and I'm happy that you are because that means you're usually working on some project for me. Um, but if you have the opportunity to, uh, come over, meet with us, talk to us, or you're even considering building, uh, in the state of Maine, definitely give you us a ring. You can come visit our little wild and community on Solar Way. Come visit our community on Solar Way. So yay. Thanks, yeah. Emily. Thanks for being on Patrice. I hope you've been enjoying this month's podcast. It's been really inspiring to me to talk to other women in the construction industry. Next week, we're actually going to talk to the person that started the hashtag Move Over Bob movement, just bringing awareness that there are women in construction and how we can mentor other women to also jump into the field. In the meantime, you can catch me at the Home and Energy Show this weekend put on by Green and Healthy Homes Maine. I'm actually doing a presentation on The Pretty Good House. If you haven't checked it out yet, prettygoodhouse.org is now live with lots of great building science information. So I hope to see you there this weekend, Saturday, October 19th at the Home and Energy Expo.